Well then, <laughs> good morning, everyone. It's um, a, <laughs> it's a quarter late to start. It's nine seventeen a.m. on the eastern coast of the U.S. And there's things we need to revisit today in order to understand what is happening. I believe uh, it's important for us to focus on what is occurring at the moment while looking into the past in order to draw more. And saying this, oh, and how do I say this in the most benign way, saying this, it seems that there is a plan by those powers that be of continuing on to do things that not only cause division, but implement their strategy for 2063 at the helm of today. There's a lot of reporting going on, a lot of news that isn't news. But again, it is intended for those that require a little longer time to understand things. It's pretty horrific what we are about to see. You know, while people are saying, we're going to avoid Agenda 2030. Guys, it's already done. 2030, all the goals they had, they met and completed. 2063 is now being implemented. No, 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 we can stop it. No, you can gut it. You can't stop it. So in order to gut it, we really have to put our foot down and start listening to our president. You know, I've said this so many times, don't even listen to me, just listen to him. Because the issues that we have right now today going forward is because we listen to all these idiots that claim to know. For example, I remember a while back, my, um, my eye dropped an eyelash on an interview uh, that Apollo and Joe had with a guy named Michael Curry. He apparently was exposing the Erickson report and put it together and said, this is how they traffic and they follow and they do and da, 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 da. Now, it was misinformation. The report, the Erickson itself and the report that it, you know, submits and Eric as a system in general, right? Let's not conflate what was said was important to be known by the people. Hence, I didn't scream and shout and I left it be because I thought, well, at least the people that are looking into this are going to see that it's not about just child trafficking or human trafficking. But so be it. Turns out people are that narrow scoped. People require a leader. People require a messiah. People, people require, you know, to be told what to think by someone who has flashy lights or is put on a pedestal. And this is why humanity is where it's at. Because people do not have discernment. And that's disheartening, of course. Discernment is key. This, this, this whole thing about Eric Erickson uh, 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 was part of Obamacare. 
See, everything that they're telling you, oh my God, the Chinese have your DNA. Oh my God, it's targeted medicine. I talked about it in 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021. Every single time I have an opportunity and I started it, well, before I had my own radio show, warning people on different shows of just how horrific this is. The whole point of Obamacare, aside from giving utter control, unfettered control to the U.S. government over your health was to give global access to your private health information. It's what I call the AER, the cloud of medical services. Oh, you know, what if you're in Mexico and you're on a vacation and you break your leg? You want your doctor to access your files and know what you're allergic to and to treat you and to see if you've had surgery if you can't speak the language or if you're rendered unable to speak. Wait, if I'm rendered unable to speak, how are they going to locate who I am? No, that's right. DNA profiling. That's already been out there. So why don't you make a list and check it twice and see which fuckers are still sitting in the Senate and Congress. They're your friends, of course, that allowed this to happen. While all of you got pissed off, oh, I have to pay a something and I have to pay taxes. That's not the point. Your information is on a global database. It's been there. Everything. And they have given unfettered access to all the governments of the world for your protection, of course. For your protection, of course. So the frustration that I exhibit sometimes is not because, hey, listen to me. No, it's, hey, listen to your gut. Why are you following all these rabbit holes? Everybody has their specialty rabbit hole too. We can sit and we can talk. See, while we have people putting out together incredible newsworthy pieces and, you know, even the sound of freedom, my gosh, that'll wake up anybody that's asleep. That'll say this is unacceptable. It's imperative we have things like this out there. But it's important that we focus on how we fix all of these things, and that's through elections. Because when I say they're coming for your kids, when I say that, I don't just say it. I know exactly what they are going for. Exactly what they are aching to do. And I really wish that a lot more people would see that. See, they go for your kids. Allow me to show you some inner workings from the Sunrise Movement. What really happens in the background. Maybe that'll help understand what they do. Because he coups, riots, protests, they're all organized. All organized. Every single one of them. You know, yesterday I was watching a comedy special right before bed. This guy named Segura. I see a few of his TikToks. I'm like, oh, let me watch it on Netflix. It got really super nefarious and pedo-ish. 
which I'm like, why is Netflix allowing that? Very pedo-ish. It's an hour long, even though the guy is seriously funny. Sounds conservative, but maybe not. Maybe it was innocent, but it took a really pedo undertone that I was like, what is going on here? Normalizing, I guess. How do I go about this easier? There are a lot of things you can focus on. You can focus on the whole climate change thing and them cracking down on people that have their own water supply. You can, um, you know, focus on, you know, how they're cracking down on our food supply. You can focus on them trafficking children within the United States. You can focus on them having the global child trafficking trade. You can focus on the human trafficking trade. You can focus on the mass experiments that they're conducting. You can focus on how pharma is there to make you sick and give you a solution and keep you sucking off their teat. You can focus on how your definitions are being changed to just make them look less evil. It's not pedophile, it's minor attracted persons. It's not racism. <laughs> I'm gonna stop. We can focus on a lot of things. None of these are gonna get fixed unless you can vote. Because all those clowns that allowed all this to happen are still sitting in offices. They're your governors, your secretary of states, your attorney generals, your senators, your congressmen on a state and federal level. They all let this happen. Oh, I just want to fuck you. Next. Elections. This is the only way you fix this. Elections, elections, elections. We need to start driving that home for the people on the left that think, oh, there's nothing wrong with Yes, there is. Have you read the HAVA Act? Have you seen where it ends? Obviously not. Because if you did, you'd understand that the HAVA Act was in order, was placed to experiment and ensure that you will have internet elections. Oh. We need to get the machines out of our elections. We need to be able to elect officials. We don't need all Republicans. We don't need all Democrats. We need a good measure of crazy lefty and crazy far righties. Because then we get somewhere in the middle. What Americans really are, centrists. That's what they are. There's a lot of you out there that are hard. Oh, this, that, ah. Uh. You know, for me, the life thing is a big deal. Like if someone to say RFK would be President Trump's VP, I'd be okay, but he's okay with the whole life thing and I'm not okay with that. Vivek, everyone's like, yeah, and I'm like, shit, you're bought, you're bought, you're bought, and you're bought because you didn't do your homework. Oh, he explained away the web thing. Can he explain away the Les Wexner donations and the fact that he works for him indirectly? Get the fuck out of here. Well, what do we do? Yeah, we don't pick a politician. We go far left field. Someone that can bring everyone together. VPs are just there as decorations and to step in in case. That will continue what the president says. We don't want someone that's autonomous as a VP. We want someone that compliments our president. People are so thick sometimes. You know, I heard people say, well, RFK is against vaccines. Yeah, he totally is. He is. And I love that he speaks truth, but he's okay with abortion. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. 
people just run with it. Oh, yeah, so-and-so says, let's go. Nikki Haley made better answers. But you know what? It seems like Tucker has made everyone look stupid every time he's interviewing them. They just look dumb. Like Pence is like, oh, Americans are not something that I need to focus on. I need to focus on getting planes to the Ukraine. You know, the F-35s, F-16s, F-16s that they've been lobbying. And you know, that's bizarre too. How are they lobbying for F-16s? The war is now. To get yourself planes, you're going to need at least two to five years to get them. From order to training to delivery, it doesn't make sense. A lot of things don't make sense. A lot of things don't make sense. So, you know, before we get into the children thing on how they tackle your children, I think it's important that we watch the full interview that President Trump had with Maria Bartiromo. It was eye-opening, to say the least. It was interestingly truthful. And Maria got to show her ability to toe the line correctly and not make it weird. And President Trump said a lot of things. He'd be like, hey, he needs to correct himself. He doesn't need to correct himself. He never speaks out of turn and by mistake. Everything is intentional. Everything. So here we are. Let's pay attention to what our president, because he is the president, has to say. Here's part one of my interview from President Trump's Bedminster Golf Club in New Jersey. President Trump, thanks so much for sitting down with us. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, it's great to see you. Um, I want to begin with the state of play of this election with now the election over a year away and the first GOP primary debate uh, a month or so away. Will you be on that stage? Are you participating in the upcoming debate? Well, you know, it's a uh, quite an easy question normally to do it and a lot of other people didn't do it. When you have a big lead, you don't do it. And we have a lead of 50 and 60 points in some cases and uh, some of these people are zero. Uh, Ron DeSanctis, as I call him, or DeSanctimonious, is down to uh, he's in the teens now, and I'm at 50 and 60 and 65, and even I saw one today at 70. And so you're leading people by 50 and 60 points, and you say, why would you be doing a debate? It's, not, it's actually not fair. Why would you let somebody that's at zero, or one or two or three, you know, be popping you with questions? Well, I, do you see any risk that if you don't show up, or, uh, Ron DeSantis has a good night and it cuts into your lead? Or somebody else has a good night and cuts into his lead. Because uh, that's what's happening. He's going down and a couple of them are going up. I think Vivek has done a very good job, frankly. I think some others have done a good job. So I haven't really made up my mind. Is there anyone on that stage you as running mate as your VP? Possibly, yeah. I mean, I think you have some good people on the stage. I think you have some people, very, a number of the people up there. Uh, I'm not going to embarrass them by saying but no, I, I think you have good people. I think you have good potential cabinet members, too, actually. Uh, who would that? Well, I don't want to mention that. I think I can't. Do but. you see yourself perhaps with the Senator Tim Scott? I think he's a very good guy. We did Opportunity Zones together. It's uh, never been talked about. It's one of the most successful economic development things ever done in this country. And Tim is very good. I mean, I, I could see Tim doing something with the administration, but uh, he's in right now campaigning, and I'm sure Tim and everybody else would say, I'm only interested in one. 
But Tim's a talented guy, and uh, you have other talented people. Do you have a plan to get suburban women to believe that your policies will make their lives yeah, better? It's called safety. It's called the border. It's called a strong military. It's called low taxes and low interest rates so you can buy a home. It's called keeping low-income housing out of the neighborhood of somebody that's very proud of their house in Westchester, New York, and they don't want to see their house value crash, uh, which I did previously. But it's really about safety, and it's about low taxes, and it's about not going into wars. You would have never had the war with Ukraine and Russia had I been involved. You would have never had this talk with China going into Taiwan. Just wouldn't have happened, it and it didn't happen. Actually, even the Democrats say, well, whatever you want to say about them, it wouldn't have happened. Do you believe Joe Biden will be the Democrat candidate in 2024? I guess so. I mean, look. I watch him and I, I listen to him and you sort of hold your breath and you say, is he going to finish the sentence? You, you, I don't know. I guess he is. He's, he's, look, they have a Democrat machine. They have a lot of votes that are automatic to a Democrat, even though they shouldn't be. Normally you'd say they have the union votes, but I think I have a lot of union votes too. I get tremendous in the car industry. I'm far better than the Democrats. So, and I said to everybody, you're losing your industry. It's all moving to Mexico and to China. And I think the workers vote for me. I think they'll vote for me much more than the union leaders who are indoctrinated into the Democrat Party. Uh, but uh, no, I, I think that uh, Biden will probably be the candidate if he can make it. Well, the Democrats don't want to do debates. Uh, I know Marianne Williamson and RFK Jr. want to debate. Um, what do you think about that? Well, I, I understand he doesn't want to do it. I understand why he doesn't want to do it. You know, there's a big difference, although uh, in the case of RFK, he's at 20 percent. It's not bad. But I understand why he doesn't want to do that. Look, when you're running for office and you have, in his case, let's say he has a 30 or 40 point lead, why would he do it? Now, uh, people are going to say, well, he can't do it. I actually think he can't do it if you want to know the truth. I don't think he's capable of doing it. But why would he do it, especially because of that? Why would he do it? If he's got a 30 or 40 point lead, which is what he's got, uh, I mean, I don't think RFK expects that he's going to be debating. He's a very smart guy, by the way. I don't think he expects to be debating Biden. You've spent time with him, RFK. Tell me about I him. have. He, is he a formidable com competitor? He's a very smart person, yeah. I know a lot of the members of that family, and, you know, he's a very smart guy. and. Uh, he's a little bit of a he really has, and a lot of Democrats I know want to vote for him. But again, if he's at 20 percent and if uh, Biden has a big lead, number one, Biden can't debate him because he's not capable. And number two, why would he debate him for that reason? But also, why would he debate him if he's probably got it locked up? I don't see RFK Jr. I don't see him getting the nomination under any circumstances. If there's anything that you could look back on yeah. in 16 that you think maybe you want to do differently this time around. Well, the mistakes would be that a lot of people, for instance, say you should have been softer. This, But I was under siege by people that were very dishonest. I, if I was soft, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. Believe me, I wouldn't have been I wouldn't have been able to finish out one of the most successful terms as president to a point where it was so successful that I'm leading by 50 points right now. You know, I mean, that wouldn't have happened. Uh, the, the mistake would be people. I mean, I wouldn't have put a guy like Bill Barr in. He was weak and pathetic. I wouldn't have put uh, Jeff Sessions in. Uh, there are some people that I wouldn't have put in. You know, most people were good. 
But I had some people, uh, we had uh, Esper, I didn't like him, he was incompetent, I thought. We had other people I didn't like. Why did you put them in the job then? Uh, because every, look, every president, you put somebody in, you think they're good. But one thing that has happened, and I find it very interesting, and this is the way life goes, I put people in, I was there 17 times in Washington, D.C., in my whole life. <laughs> okay, I never stayed overnight. The press actually reported 17. I don't know if it's right, but it's probably pretty right. Uh, I never stayed overnight, ever. And then all of a sudden, I'm the president of the United States. And it's like a different society. I was New York and, you know, it was a different thing. So I didn't know people. I became president. I'm riding down Pennsylvania Avenue with our first lady. I had 250 motorcycles. I had armies. I had everything. I said, do you believe it? We're president. Take a look. This is wild right but i never was involved in that and so you didn't know what to expect no no what I, well i didn't know the people i know the people now better than anybody's ever known the people i know the good ones the bad ones the dumb ones the smart mm -hmm. ones I well, think you, you the didn't drain ones. the swamp like you said you would. You didn't drain the swamp. I did. I fired Comey. I fired a lot of people. A lot of the people I had, I fired. I, I fired Comey very early. And, you know, there was a question as to whether or not you could. But I fired Comey. If I didn't fire Comey, I don't think I would have been able to serve out my term. Because that was a plot. And, you know, these other guys that are running... They think, oh, well, you know, they're going to go nice and smooth. No, they'll create phony stories on them. They'll create their own Russia, Russia, Russia. These people are sick. Guys like Adam Schiff, he's a sick person. I mean, he's really sick. But they make things up, and then you have to spend time uh, getting out of it. They do it now. But he may become a senator. He may become. Isn't that a crazy thing? Well, maybe not. He's running against some people that are much better than him. He's a sick person. He made up a thing on Russia, 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 and Ukraine where he actually talked about my call with President Zelensky. He didn't know we had the call taped. Fortunately, it was taped. And he made up a, a speech. He made a speech in Congress about what my call was, where he was actually reading the speech of what I said. And then when I released it, I said, you know, we happen to have a tape of that. It was a total lie. I said he ought to be prosecuted for what he did. But when you go to Congress, believe it or not, you can say anything you want. You don't get prosecuted and you can't get sued. And I think it's... So Christopher Wray, the other day, uh, in front of the judiciary leadership, is defending the FBI, saying no. There's no politics at the FBI. Well, uh, look, uh, the FBI has become tremendously political. DOJ is weapon. And FBI agents, they're incredible. So I hate to say the FBI because you have people in the FBI that are very angry. When, when after Hillary Clinton didn't go after her, when he mentioned her crimes and then she's been exonerated, yeah. they were going to have a strike, in my opinion. That's what I heard and that's what I read, and I really believe that. And that's why he had to come out and going a little while before he tried to exonerate her. But if you remember that stupid press conference that he had where he talked about all of her so-called crimes, and he said, but she's not guilty of this, she's not guilty of that, she's not guilty. He, all he had to do is say she's not guilty and people wouldn't have known what happened. But he, you know, he liked to grandstand, so he wanted to be on television for an hour. And the FBI, the real people of the FBI, not the corrupt ones, because most of them aren't corrupt, they're great. But the agents and a lot of the people in the FBI, they watched that too, they thought it was terrible. And I believe they were going to literally strike and then what happened is Comey said, if you remember, he'd exonerate her. Then he had to go back and says, well, no, no, I'm going to redo it. And he's, it was a whole mess. Mm -hmm. 
But the people in the FBI are not that way. But the top people have been so bad when you have McCabe and you have uh, Lisa Page and the whole group struck. Struck and Page. That was a wonderful couple. No, they were all. When you had all of these people with the insurance policy, what happens, darling? What happens if he doesn't? What happens if he wins? Oh, it won't happen. I remember. But if he does, but if he does, we have an insurance policy. Well, the insurance policy is we're going to get him out. How bad? When you see that, now, if I didn't fire Comey, and remember, some people said, oh, you should have fired him. I fired him very early. Very, very early. You know, a lot of people, some very smart people that you know very well said, I made a mistake in firing Comey because that was what upset the Epcot. Now they say it was one of the greatest instinctual moves that they've ever seen because the insurance policy was they were going to get me out. They were going to try and get me out by making fake charges and fake crimes. Mm. Who would have thought this could have happened to our country? Who would have thought? It's not even possible. Now, the FBI has tremendous problems of credibility. The DOJ is weaponized like I've never seen before. I mean, they come after me on boxes and they can't find drugs. You know how many cameras they have opposite the front door of the Situation Room where these drugs were very, the, the cocaine. Now I understand they have many other forms of drugs. They know who this was. They know the person. It's impossible. How can they not know well, the, the person? Well, the Secret Service said that they are ending the investigation yeah. of the cocaine found at the White House and they didn't have any fingerprints and they said that they cannot identify who, uh, whose cocaine it was. You know, I've gotten to know the Secret Service really well. Okay, and I can't speak more highly of people. These are incredible people. And I believe that they know everything. They're really smart and really good at what they do. And I don't think it's possible for bags of cocaine to be left in a certain area by the Situation Room. I'm not talking about, you know, five blocks away. The Situation Room, where you decide on war, where you decide on nuclear, where you... So, and are tourists allowed in that area where the cocaine was I found? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think only people that have strong passes or family members are able to go through those doors. It's very interesting. I was much nicer to Biden in speeches than all. I actually was criticized by some people. You know, you, I respect the office of the presidency. And I, not that I was perfect with him, but I could have been much tough a few weeks. I've been very nasty and very tough and very truthful. He's a corrupt man. He's a corrupt president. He's grossly incompetent. And the reason I ask, because they actually indicted an opponent who was the president of the United States. I got indicted. I said, I can't believe it. I got indicted. I could tell you stories of what happened when I went down to New York and when I went down with policemen looking at me and crying. You know, Ted Kennedy told me he was a friend of mine, believe it or not, different sides of the aisle, but he was a friend of mine. Uh, he liked me, I liked him. I did have a one time that helped him a lot on something and he always liked me and he said to me a long time ago, I was saying, who's the smartest senator? And I won't tell you the answer because I don't particularly like the guy. He said, who's the dumbest? I said, probably Joe. This is Ted Kennedy, he knew them all. I said, what do you mean Joe? Who's Joe? Joe Biden, he's the dumbest. And so- Ted Kennedy said Joe Biden was the dumbest senator. Years ago, that's right. He said he was the dumbest. I said, who's the dumbest? He said, probably Joe. He said he's hale and hearty and well-met personality. But you go to, to policy or you go to taxes or anything that's complicated, he doesn't have a clue. This is stuff that he told me years ago. Who would have thought this guy was gonna become president? 
But in prime time, he wasn't very good. Was it a mistake to put Christopher Wray there? I mean, obviously the FBI is not following any of the things that you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, sadly it probably was. You know, he was recommended very strongly by Chris Christie, who's, you know, a sad case. I mean, I watch him. He's a sad case. Well, he's in this race, he said, just to take you down. Well, I know. And you know how he's doing? He's at 1%, and he probably won't even make the debate stage. Uh, no, Chris is a, he's sad. I mean, I watched him the other day. He said, I built 47 miles of wall. I built over 500 miles of wall. And that's Homeland Security statements. Uh, I had the safest border in the history of our country. I built massive miles of wall. I was going to put up another 200 miles. Everything was built. They just had to erect it. Would have taken three weeks. Far beyond my statement about building a wall. I was way over. I mean, what we did was incredible. But between the wall and Mexico, when you say Mexico, I got Mexico. You know what? I got them to pay for 28,000 soldiers on our border. You know, people said, well, Mexico. Well, Mexico did pay. They gave me free of charge. 28,000 soldiers. In a second term, will you shut down the border? Yeah, I will close up the border except that people come in legally. Because we need people to come in. We want people to come in. But we don't want people coming in from mental institutions and from uh, jails. Why has they it come been so difficult to get an immigration policy agreed upon? Uh, you have different viewpoints. You have different everything. But I didn't care about immigration policy. I didn't want anyone to come in unless they came in legally. But let me just uh, circle back on the FBI. There's a conversation underway right now about a complete reform of the FBI and the Department of Justice because of all of these reasons that you mentioned. Take a step back. How should the FBI be reformed? For example, the Republicans say, take the headquarters out of Washington, uh, make the headquarters in Alabama. Good idea. And what else do you want to see in terms of a reform of these agencies? So I had a plan to take down the FBI building and build a brand new building in Washington because I think that the FBI should be somewhat close to DOJ if they're all honest people. You know, I mean, they want to move it to a different state. They we're going to move it to Virginia, build this, you know, thing. It was going to cost... I mean, if you talk about environmentalists, the traffic was massive, et cetera, et cetera. It's already massive. Well, they want three and a half billion dollars. They want it to be bigger than the Pentagon. They want it to be this monster building very far away. I like the idea of it being close to the Justice Department because they work together to me. And they had the land and they had everything. You could renovate the building or build a new building in that location. There'd be a little bit of uh, turmoil during construction, but not a lot. And that was what I preferred. That's what I was going to do. Mm. And it would have cost a lot less money, but I liked the FBI being somewhat close to the Department of Justice. I think it was, and I will tell you, the FBI people felt that was good also. So you don't agree, move it to Alabama with what the Republicans are I'll saying. move anything to Alabama because I love Alabama. If <laughs> Alabama wants it, I'm all for it. Should, no, I love Alabama. Yeah. But, but I think there's something to be said about the FBI and the Department of justice or injustice right now it's not department it's the department of injustice i think they have to be you know they work together they can walk across the street so every time you have to need somebody in court or whatever you're doing they have to ride an hour and a half or two hours in traffic from a place in virginia that's very far away should fisa be uh reviewed should well, no fisa is corrupt you look at what what the fbi did with hundreds and hundreds of of cases where they, you know, I, I could tell you some of the names that everybody hears about, but you look at hundreds of cases and violations, and I'm actually very surprised that the judges uh, didn't get angry about it. You know, you never hear anything about it. 
FISA was corrupt, the whole system of FISA, the FISA courts, and that the chief judges are there, and even the chief judge, that they didn't do something about it, and they never really made a statement about it. They never complained about it, and yet the FBI was caught on many, many occasions. Look at my thing. They signed fake documents having to do with Russia, Russia, Russia. Russia, Russia, Russia was a total scam. Communist China wants to become the number one superpower overtaking the United States. We know this. Um, what can be done about it? Give us your sense okay. of the policy and the response that should be happening toward Communist China. So I know President Xi better than I know you, which is pretty good. Really? Okay, yeah. I really think so. So I know him very well. I've dealt with him many times. He came at Mar-a-Lago, as you know. He stayed. Well, the he's not a friend of the United States, I don't think. No. No. He, he doesn't hate the United States. But he loves China. He wants to take everything away from the United States. He wants to not destroy the United States. He just wants everything. You got to understand, this is a man who's at the top of his game. He's dealing with an incompetent person in Joe Biden. He's never seen anything like it. And I was very tough on China. I tariffed them to a level 25 and 50 percent everything. We took in hundreds of billions of dollars. By the way, the happiest person in the world was President Xi. And I got along with him great, but he is all for China. He doesn't care anything about our country. And I'll tell you this, he doesn't believe when he meets with Joe Biden, he thinks it's a joke. He can't believe, he sees this guy. If you would see President Xi, you can't, you can't duplicate him in Hollywood. There's nobody in Hollywood could play the role. These people, these leaders are at the top of their game. These are smart people, including Macron of France. I could go through the whole list of people, including Putin. Now, Putin's been wounded, probably. Let's see how it all turns out. You know, it's not over. I mean, one way or the other. But these people are sharp, tough, and, and generally vicious. They're vicious, and they're at the top of their game. We have a man that has no clue what's happening. It's the most dangerous time in the history of our country. So what should be the Ukraine response? Ukraine would have never happened what, what if I was president. None of this stuff would have happened. You, you wouldn't have inflation, for one thing. But going back to that, Ukraine would have never happened. Taiwan, which will at some point happen under this group, will never, would never have happened. You never heard these things being talked about. I knew about them because I'd be with President Xi. I'd talk, and he likes Taiwan a lot, and Putin like Ukraine a lot. It was the apple of his eye. But he never made a move with me because he knew he couldn't do it. Remember this also with Putin. You know, they like to say, oh, Trump was soft. I, I was tougher on Russia than anybody in history with the sanctions and everything else. You said you could end the war in Ukraine in 24 hours. Yes, I How could. would you do that? Uh, I know Zelensky very well. I felt he was very honorable because when they asked him about the perfect phone call that I made, he said it was indeed perfect. He said it was, he didn't even know what they were talking about. He could have grandstanded, oh, I felt threatened. Well, that's not going to be enough for Putin to stop bombing no, Ukraine. No, 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 I'm not saying that. I, what I'm saying is that I know Zelensky very well and I know Putin very well, even better. And I had a good relationship, very good with both of them. I would tell Zelensky, no more, you got to make a deal. I would tell Putin, if you don't make a deal, we're going to give them a lot. We're going to give them more than they ever got if we have to. I will have the deal done in one day. 
one day. Now, China apparently is setting up this spy center in yeah, Cuba, 100 miles away from Florida. No. So what is the answer? What should the response be to communist China? They will be closed down within, I don't want to say 24 hours, but very quickly. Uh, they will... You mean not, the spy center in Cuba? They can't have... Look, spy center is really bad. That's just the beginning. They're going to end up building military islands. You know, when Jap opposite Japan, they said, yes, we're building a residential housing development. It turned out to be one of the world's largest military bases. Japan should have watched that. And I predicted, I said, there's no way. You know why? I looked at a 15,000-foot runway they were building. A Gulfstream doesn't need a 15,000-foot runway, okay? I looked at this plan. I said, look at the runway. That's, not, that's for military fighter jets. That's for military planes. That has nothing to do with private... They said they were building a residential development on this island. Turns out to be a military base. That's what they do. You know, one of the things in Afghanistan that's so sad, we should have never left Bagram. We should have kept it because Bagram is one of the largest military bases in the world. Of course, there's billions of dollars to build many years ago. And forget about Afghanistan. You don't want it for that. You want it because it's one hour away from where China is building their nuclear weapons, Bagram. And they left at the dark of night. Well, China has been uh, much more aggressive in these last two years. We know that. Surveillance balloons, a spy balloon that, that traveled across the country. You know, the they country. weren't aggressive with me. Police Marie, stations. They, That's what I want to ask you. They were Were you aware of this kind of surveillance program underway of America from China in your administration? Were you aware? They would have never Was done there a surveillance balloon, uh, balloon flying? No, there wasn't. Never? And Never. They would have never done it to me. Well, this administration, the Biden administration said, oh, this happened, this started under They Trump. did, and then they took it back. They said, oh, you know, they said balloons over Trump. They never did. You know, these balloons are pretty big. You see those balloons. It was amazing that they sent this large balloon right over the middle of our country, by the way, over nuclear areas and other areas, and that you shoot that, if that happens, it would have never happened with me. It would have never happened with me. You should go back to another subject that you mentioned, Cuba. They're building military installations in Cuba, and the fake news media doesn't even talk about it. This is one of the dangerous things, and nobody's even talking about it. China has to leave immediately, and they will. If I'm president, they will leave. Let me get back to Taiwan, because we haven't touched on this. Should the U.S. help defend Taiwan if it means going to war with China? Well, I don't want to say it, because if I'm in the position of president, I don't want to say what I'm thinking. You know, I just, if I, if I answer that question, it'll put me in a very bad negotiating position. Uh, with that being said, Taiwan did take all of our chip business. You know, we used to make our own chips. Now they're made in Taiwan. 90% of the chips Advanced are made in semiconductor Taiwan. chips, 90% are, no, no, are made they, in they Taiwan. Have, if they, China they make, goes in there, everything. they'll be able to turn the world on and off. Isn't that right? If China takes Taiwan, they will turn the world off, potentially. Potentially. Uh, but remember this, Taiwan took, smart, brilliant, they took our business away. We should have stopped them. We should have taxed them. We should have tariffed them. I want to ask you about these legal issues. You mentioned the indictment. Your team is asking for a postponement of a trial. Yeah. When do you want this postponed until? Well, look, all election interference, there's no case here. It comes under the Presidential Records Act. I'm allowed to do this. I'm allowed to have all the records I want. In fact, the New York Times, believe it or not, did an article 
please, 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 Mr. President, may we have the documents. It only applies to me. It doesn't apply to a vice president. It doesn't apply to anybody else. The Presidential Records Act, 1977-78, they did this for exact, and these people, you know, uh, Jack Smith, whatever his name is, whatever his real name is, but Jack Smith is a thug. He's been overturned in the Supreme Court of the United States for horrible things that he did, horrible, horrible things. And I have to ask this also. Biden has probably 30 or 40 times the number of documents and boxes that I had. You don't even hear anything about it. He doesn't want to give them. He has boxes in Chinatown, and he's getting a lot of money at Chinatown. He's getting a lot of money from China. He's got boxes in Chinatown. Why are they in Chinatown? He's got boxes in his garage under his Corvette all over the floor of a garage with a garage door that you can cut open with a paper scissor. I have Mar-a-Lago. I have Secret Service protection, everything else. But even regardless of that, this is the Presidential Records Act. I'm allowed to do this. What they're doing is election interference. They want to try and damage my name so that I can't win the election. But so far, the people of our country see it. And my numbers have gone up as opposed to down because the people see it. It's a terrible thing. They've weaponized the Department of Justice. Do you know that they've Do you have said, any indication the judge will grant this motion? I don't know. I know it's a very highly respected judge, a very smart judge, and a very strong judge. Well, you appointed her. I did, and I'm very proud to have appointed her. But she's very smart and very strong and loves our country. I mean, loves our country. We need judges that love our country so they do the right thing. But I say this, the Presidential Record Act gives you all of the rights to do this. Biden wasn't president. He didn't have the rights. And he's under investigation, not with Jack Smith, but with a very nice person. But he's got boxes at the University of Pennsylvania, great school. They pay him, China pays him a million dollars a year. Did you know that? Million dollars a year. They pay 50 million or something to Penn. Well, they also paid Anthony Blinken. They pay all of his staff. Mm. They pay everybody. Look, he is so compromised as a president. He's a crooked guy and he's totally compromised. I want to ask you how this is affecting you running for president. I mean, is this affecting your campaign? Is this going to well, stop you? I think it's probably so far helped my campaign because you see the numbers better than I do. And I've never had it. The Sanctimonious is a terrible candidate and he's I think he's out. Uh, I'm leading the Republican Party by 40, 50, 60 points. Um, most of these guys are at one, two and three. He's now in the teens and I'm at 60 and 70. I think it probably, you know, there are those that say, help oh, because the people of the country are smart. This is the weaponization of government. Nobody thought it was possible on nonsense. And you know what they did in Manhattan on a total nonsense case? They took, I was going to use a word called bull something, but I don't want to do that on your show because I don't want to offend anybody. Thank but that's you. what it is, bull something. A top person in DOJ and put him in the Manhattan DA's office. And by the way, Manhattan DA, there's, there's crime all over the city. They do nothing, murders, everything else. But they want to get Trump on something that isn't even a crime. We didn't do and isn't a crime. They took a top DOJ person, put him in the Manhattan DA's office to run an investigation on in me. They had Hillary Clinton's lawyer, Pomerantz, Pomerantz, one of her lawyers from a big Democrat law firm, go into the DA's office in New York 
to prosecute me. In other words, they made her lawyer into a prosecutor. The people of our country get it. As far as I'm concerned, I consider it a badge of honor. To be indicted, I would consider a badge because I'm doing it for the country and I'm doing it for the people. With all due respect, even, you know, your supporters Say the only people who could take is Trump, because the, he gives p his detractors leverage on a silver okay, platter. L let me ask you this: What am I going to do? I get indicted on something that is ridiculous. I have to fight. Supposing I answered your question with tears pouring down my eyes and saying, "Oh, Maria, it's so sad." Look, I'm fighting for. I think 225, 250 million people. I think that's the real number, okay? I'm fighting for a lot of people. It's much more important than me. Meanwhile, Hunter Biden was uh, charged with a misdemeanor. He'll avoid jail time. Hunter Biden got a traffic ticket. Compare Hunter Biden to Paul Manafort. Paul Manafort was put in solitary confinement. They wanted to destroy him. All they wanted him to do was say something bad about me. This guy had tremendous courage. He said, I'm not going to lie. I can't say anything bad. Trump is a great president. He's a great president. I'm not going to do it. He, he went a solitary over nothing compared to what Hunter Biden's done. You know, they gave him a little charge. What about all of these countries he dealt with? You know, I've been reading about people that are put in jail because they're dealing with all. This guy was on the board of of Burisma. They were getting rid of prosecutors because they were going to be prosecuted. So Biden said, we're not giving you a billion dollars unless you get rid of that prosecutor. And to show you how stupid, I mean, the guy said this publicly and they got rid of the prosecutor. Well, I... the, the point is this. Any other Republican that gets this position will be attacked the same way. These are fascists, they're communists, they're Marxists, they're radical left Democrats. They're sick people. Let me ask you real quick on Bidenomics and what you want to do in terms of economic growth. Yeah. You talked earlier about energy yeah. and you talked about regulation. What is your plan to get the economy growing again? And do you still think we're going to go into a recession? Okay, so number one, well, if, the, if we have, if there's even a thought that Trump is getting elected, you will never have a recession because people will start investing money, you know, before the fact. And right now I'm leading Biden by a lot. But what I would do is very simple. I got to get interest rates down. To do that, we have to get rid of the inflation because inflation is a country killer. You know, inflation, you can look back 200 years ago, what it's done to other countries. Germany, you look at other it countries. It is coming down. It's coming down, but it's coming down from a very high base. Year high. It's already gone up 40% if you add it all up. Now it's coming down from a very bad base. And what they're doing is they're putting the interest rates at a point. Nobody can borrow all the, so you may have somewhat of a recession. If people think that Trump is going to be elected, you'll never have a recession. If people think I'm not, you will have more than recession. You're going to have a depression. But what I will do is we're going to start using our liquid gold. We have more energy under our feet, oil and gas, than any other country in the world. You know, I approved Anwar. It's bigger than Saudi Arabia, they say, whether it's bigger or not, but it's damn close. And Anwar in Alaska, the first day he was in office. He ended it. Ronald Reagan tried to get it. They all tried to get it. We're going to be tremendous energy producers. We're going to sell to Europe. We're going to sell all over the world. We're going to bring down the cost of energy. Russia will be much, it'll be much, Russia, the energy, so Russia's taken in all of this money because of energy. We will lower interest rates because that'll end inflation. You know, inflation was caused because of his energy policies. When energy went to $100 a barrel and more, 
what happened is you had tremendous automatic immediate inflation because energy is so big it's all all-encompassing the trucks the the people that bake the donuts the restaurants everything requires energy and it's a very big cost and that's what caused inflation now everything's causing inflation now we have bad supply lines Maria our country's a mess we'll close up the border we'll become energy independent then we're going to be energy dominant we'll be taking care of Europe energy prices are going to come way down uh, I will get Putin to make a deal with very quickly we're going to have a great world again but I'll tell you what if we don't win in 24 the country is finished I really believe that this country is finished we will have more on President Trump's response to communist China right here next week. Uh, but first, coming up next, what a potential first 100 days in the Oval Office. very basic and very easy. would close up the wall. We would make sure that people come into our country only legally. We'd stop the drugs from coming in. We'd stop all of the terrorists and people from prison. All of the people that are coming into our country that should never be here. We have people coming in from mental institutions, from actually insane asylums. They're coming into our country. They're being dumped into our country. Other countries are bringing them in. And I'm not just talking about the four countries that are sort of semi-neighbors. All over the world, they're emptying out their prisons into the United States. There's never been anything like this, what they're doing. I would close that up. We would become energy independent very quickly. We will bring down the interest rates. We will start paying off debt. We were all set to start paying off massive amounts of debt. And then we got hit with COVID, the gift from China. We got hit with COVID, but we were so, we were doing so well, as you know, because you report on it just about better than anybody. I really mean that too. We were energy independent. We were soon going to be energy dominant. We were going to supply Europe with oil and gas. We were going to be making trillions of dollars and we we're going to be paying off debt and reducing taxes. Well, that was interesting. He told you everything you needed to hear. He may have what? Fallen flat for many. That's what I see, right? That a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, you know, he fell flat or he didn't say this. Bottom line is every single person running and he made it clear has no chance. I already told you that the Democrats aren't even going to allow people to debate. They're just going to throw Biden in there. Well, well, not Biden, you know, Newsom because they, it was a special election. So, you know, what fun would it be? to confuse the shit out of America and the world by removing Biden and Kamala, well, Kamala Newsom, then Biden, right? And Gavin's going to be like, oh, he's not that good. Let's not forget Kim Guilfoyle used to be married to Gavin Newsom. And it's happening with another summer of love before the elections, while Jack Smith is rapidly, and pay attention, rapidly trying to say that President Trump bullied secretary of states oh, new mexico your secretary of state was just interviewed i think last week by jack smith to testify as to how bullied she felt by president trump because of the elections oh and then they're going to bring the j6 thing in now every single i'm going to say this i make it as clear as possible anyone involved in in legal entrapment legal involvement 
having pled guilty, not guilty in regards to J6, shut the fuck up and stand down. Whatever deal you took, keep it. Do not, because then it will be your fault, do not come in demanding things. Let it sit. Do not try to rectify things. Let it sit. The reason I say this is the J6 documentary is complete. Jack Smith is going to have a really hard time tying J6 to President Trump, though we can tie J6 to people close to President Trump that did that shit on purpose. See, that's the thing. Proximity. I've said this before. Proximity, proximity, proximity. People like to say, oh, I, 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 I'm close to this person. Like, for example, Michael Curry says, oh, they are Logan. Fuck you. Stop using names. Stop. Stand on your own coattails. Because what they do, what they do is that they dovetail themselves to other people to make it look like they're connected to them. Did everyone going down to protest at the Capitol do something wrong? Fuck no. These people stole their nation. Did anyone foresee that there was a coup and a counter coup and a counter coup to the counter coup? I did. I made it clear. On January 5th, I said, shit, they're going to burn something down and I don't know what. Something's happening and I don't know what. Why? Because inside of me, I think, uh, there was like this shred of hope that the people that were close to President Trump weren't trying to sabotage him. But, you know, people have bills to pay. They want to upkeep that lifestyle. They want to keep the peace with the globalists. They want to have a position in life. They want a job in D.C. See, that's a problem. Sometimes, ah, the, what's that saying? We have intertwined our thighs. That's how complicated it got, that all these thighs are interlocking. These elections, which aren't really necessary, we already know he won by 120 million votes. Huh? Well, coming soon. There was a reason for that billboard. I knew this was a setup. I knew they were coming for our president. I knew that the people closest to him were doing this. Well, how did I know? Here's firsthand experience. Both Bush and Obama did something clever that President Trump did not have. And that's to have a decentralized, independent, OSINT team. People under the desk, as I say. Oh, I was under their desk, meaning no one knew we existed. It was a bunch of contractors. Some of them were pretty bad hombres. <laughs> bad hombres in regards to their capabilities. But we were able to detect threats because everyone had their finger on the pulse of certain communities. The problem is, is that the FBI, well, the CIA would, let me, let me give you an example of what would happen. So usually I wasn't stateside. So let's talk Bush era, right? A report would be given, a daily briefing would be given to President Bush uh, by the CIA almost every day. Here are the threats, here's our analysis, boom. That's something that we would see before the president got it. Before the president got it. So within that time, we had to see what we had put together 
as what the issues are, domestic-wise and foreign. Uh, we focus more on the domestic side of infiltration of foreign, right? Or um, countering our foreign infiltration to other things. So, again, so you understand, when the president got his briefing, Bush and Obama, they would get the CIA report, but they would get the report from the high value intelligence group. Now, it was named high value intelligence group because the DNI director of Obama accidentally slipped and talked about it. So then they gave it a cover saying, oh, it's about ISIS and, you know, we're interrogating. So they started, so he made after. See, that was Clint. That was completely off the books, right? That was a group of people that were off the fucking books. Bush gave me to Obama and they knew everything that was going on. Even the CIA, which was actually very meticulous and is filled with a lot of patriots. A lot of people don't believe that, but that is true. They're actually quite nice people. I mean, except for the actual spies that go out, they're psychopaths. Um, that's a fact. You got to be a little psychotic. But what would happen is he would have a full report in, in, in nine times out of 10, and I'm telling you this, the report given to him by HVIG, by us, was more acted on than the one of the CIA because the CIA would focus on bona fide national security concerns. And a lot of those concerns were concerns that Bush and Obama would welcome and say, oh, it's nothing. We're just going to overlook that, which obviously made the CIA salty. I mean, look, they got Brennan. They all hated Tennant. <laughs> they hated all of them because people that were in that agency wanted to do good. You think they don't see the bureaucracy? And the fact that they knew that a lot of their people were sitting in the FBI pretending to be FBI when they're really CIA is a big issue. The CIA is staffed with good people, smart people. So is the FBI. The FBI, though, is more political. It's law enforcement. I mean, look at it at your local police department, how the chief of police freaking tells people what to do. It's about tenure and time, right? At the CIA, it's more of smarts. And the CIA taps a lot of people from different agencies, so they're not just one brick-and-mortar, you know, station. I guess maybe the admins and the receptionists and shit like that. But other than that, it's not. See, there's presidential advisory boards, but this is something that we need to look at. Because if President Trump actually had people like me in the basement with cigarettes and Red Bull, this would be at the forefront. Y'all yeah. ready? This presidential race, I know it's just April of 2019, but this, is, this shit is already in full swing. And the first debate is going to be in June in Miami. So we need to ensure that whenever these candidates open up the newspaper or turn on the TV, wherever they go, and there's like 20 of them, so they're in a lot of places at all times, they need to be getting asked about the Green New Deal and about no fossil fuel money pledge. And if we do that, we'll make it clear to them that if they want to earn the support of young people and be taken seriously on climate, they have to show, they have to show that they're actually willing to take a stand for our generation. So that work, doing all of that, showing up everywhere and holding these politicians accountable starts now. It starts with the road to the Green New Deal tour. And the town halls across the country are, are one of our best opportunities to do this this spring. Um, so over the next few weeks, tens of thousands of people are gonna be showing up. And they're gonna be showing up from Huntsville, Alabama, 
to Kearney, Nebraska, to Anchorage, Alaska, to Tucson, Arizona, to Boston, Massachusetts. Tens of thousands of people who've never heard of the Green New Deal before. This is unbelievable. Um, and they are going to be coming together to discuss how the Green New Deal would protect people from the impacts of climate change and boost local economies. So I am so proud and excited for what we are about to embark on as the movement. Um, and I want to kick this right now to Jeremy, who many of you might know. Jeremy's amazing, a brilliant storyteller, a great organizer, and um, a, a huge leader of the Unrise movement. And last year, Jeremy finished high school and jumped right into an electoral program with Sunrise called Sunrise Semester. And this year, he has been spending a lot of months planning uh, this Green New Deal tour. So he's going to share a little bit more about why these events are going to be so powerful. Take it away, Jeremy. Well, I got to say varsity is not bad either. And also I've got to say that uh, Bridget here, who's going to be speaking a little bit later, is a volunteer in the, in the Boston Hub. Uh, I, I would just like to talk about, yeah, sort of what brings me to this. And to say, 10 months ago, I graduated from high school. I came back to this house that night. I saw family and friends. And not the next day, but the morning after that, I went down to Pennsylvania. I was joining 70 people volunteering to go all in for Sunrise. We were at a week-long training together. And that first day of the training was nerve-wracking. There were a lot of things to learn, a lot of people to say hello to. We had been asked to bring to that boot camp, that training, an object that represented what it was we were fighting to protect from the climate crisis. I had a letter from a poet. It's about community. Someone had a bracelet from a best friend. Someone had a picture of their dad. And at the end of the evening, we had a ceremony where we shared our objects and built a beautiful altar together, an altar of what we loved and also of what we had to lose. It was the best way to get to know this movement to understand the why of, of why we were doing this. And those objects sat there on that table for the whole week. And when we left boot camp and worked for five months to elect political champions, those objects, those reasons for working so hard remained with us. We can't build an altar of objects with 10,000 people. But we aren't asking you to bring objects. Build the move to win a Green New Deal. People, regular people, we need more people to participate in our democracy, to outweigh the fossil fuel money that keeps pouring into our politics. We've got to keep growing the movement. So you are welcome to bring the bracelet, the letter, the photograph to the tour stop. But definitely bring the person who wrote the letter, the, the best friend who made the bracelet, the person in the photograph. And bring along the person you to in the seat and the, the, the person you work beside in school or at your that experience last summer of hearing people's stories, it so honestly changed me. It grounded me in the stakes of the climate crisis and what we have to lose. And I know that if you could Green New Deal Town Hall, you're going to have that experience along with thousands of other people in the country. We're going to hear from political champions speaking alongside regular Americans struggling with dirty air and low-wage jobs, union leaders speaking alongside members of religious communities. Every person in this country has something to lose to this crisis, which is so big. And in these town halls, we'll be able to feel the strength and the weight of that. Bringing people to that experience, that's how we're going to change some hearts and minds. Because I can promise you 
based off my experience, when you leave that town hall, you'll be a different person from when you went in. So listen, talk to someone you love, someone worth fighting for, and invite them to share this experience with you. And then also talk to someone you don't know so well yet, because that's fun, and also to discover why they're worth fighting for, because they are. And invite them too. So that's what tour is going to be, and that's going to be pretty exciting. Um, and I want to share this quick with you, because every time I watch it, I get, I get very, very hyped. So I'm going to cue our, our digital tech person to show us the video. We can introduce legislation, but if the movement work is not happening, we're not going to win. And so you have to be doing this kind of incredible movement work. Bring it on, Koch brothers, because we have an activated sunrise uh, revolution that's taking place across this country. Wow, that is so exciting. And our big question is, who's, who's ready to sign up? And um, that's also why I'm asking right now to head to sunrisemovement.org-tour, or if you're watching on Facebook, to comment RSVP on the, on the Facebook live stream. And so I'm going to take a sec to let you do that. Head to sunrisemovement.org-tour or comment RSVP on the live stream. And once you did that, copy the link and write down 10 people you're going to invite to the stop nearest to them. Maybe it's your friend on the basketball team who liked the AOC Green New Deal video that you shared today, which was awesome. And maybe it's your uncle who worked in the mines and always has questions you don't know how to answer. And maybe it's a teacher or mentor in your life who inspired you to join this movement. Anyone and everyone. So take a sec, and I'll give you a sec to write down 10 people who you can invite to tour. Start, start writing and write their first names in this chat just as you think of them for accountability. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait for you to do it. Those first names, throw them in the chat. And right after this call, you're, you're going to send those messages. And it's not all hard work because you're inviting your friends to a tour stop, and if four of them show up, we're giving you a free Sunrise t-shirt for your leadership because that's what it is. When you bring people in, that's leadership. And I'm going to give you guys a minute to make sure everyone has a plan to invite those friends. So keep, keep the names coming. Those first names are the people you want to bring in. Okay, we're getting up. Oh, something. Okay. Keep going. I'll give you a few more seconds. Right. Okay. Keep it going, guys. I don't think Varshney will feel interrupted if you keep doing it. But um, Varsity, I think I'm going to kick it back to you as people keep their eyes on their prize and, and keep putting in those names. Back to you. Awesome. Thank you, Jeremy. Um, thank you for all of that. And also thank you for the insight into the work that you all have been doing to happen. It's, it's an unbelievable. Just so you guys know, this woman on your screen has me this with children in middle school and high school. In addition, her name is on the Green New Deal that Joe Biden had on his desk. She's the lead on that. Oh, and we all know where the funding comes from. Stop. You don't need me to say it because I already showed you. We got four million from open societies. Four million.
to torch America. Endeavor. And honestly, y'all, these events are not going to be the same without you and without your people. So um, keep filling out those names and, and reach out to folks and reach out to us if you need any kind of help to make it happen. Um, so like Jeremy, I have also packed my bags, not as fully as I would have wanted to. I got to go do the rest of that tonight. Um, but I'm kind of nervous to be packing it all up and basically living in a van for the next like five weeks as we take off across this country. Um, and when we met last, last year in June, which I never imagined that we'd be doing this together. So it's very exciting. And I'm excited to meet all of you along the way. We'll keep you posted. You should follow. Um, I'm going to be tweeting and Instagramming and maybe Facebooking uh, the whole trip uh, for my personal account. But you should also follow Sunrise MVMT um, on Twitter and Instagram and also just Sunrise Movement on Facebook to follow along with all the updates. We will be definitely keeping you up to date on, um, you know, everything from how moving and epic the events are to, you know, the squabbles that we're having in the minivan that we're packed into driving across the nation. And I can't drive, so uh, other people will be driving. I'm 18, <laughs> uh, you know, but it takes a while to get it. So we got Endo. There are a lot of people on the crew who are amazing. Julia and Susha and Jesse's going to be there. Diana, Katie, uh, this whole gang of drivers and of We've got all these different roles in the van, too, that are going to be fun. So, yeah. Awesome. Um, so we're just waiting for one more minute as uh, Abdullah, Dr. Abdullah El-Sayed is coming, who is a fantastic and super inspiring. Um, we actually endorsed his, Sunrise Move endorsed his run to become the governor of Michigan. He's done incredible work uh, protecting people's water and access to health care and health in the state of Michigan, um, endorsed and supported a Green New Deal right away and is just doing really brilliant work in, in the state of Michigan as well. And we'll be speaking the, um, at the Detroit stop. So that is, it's going to be really exciting. Well, this is a trip down memory lane. I'm going to give you a hint of where they're going now. Now, this video will be extremely polarizing for many, and I'm going to play it, but I want you to hear me out. Because as you know, I don't like people in neat little boxes. I respect all religions. People very close to me are, you know, Jews and Muslims. Weaponizing religion has happened. In fact, hold on. I can actually find a video of the priest who is now a bishop that raised me. And I'm going to play it for you. Hold on. Let me let me let me upload it to the system before I show you the next video. This upcoming summer of 2024 is not just about climate kids. This is going to be weaponizing religion. Completely. Now, I've made it no secret um, about my faith. I'm a historical Christian. I would say, Dick slash Assyrians, uh, Orthodox, uh, are closest because even the Greek Orthodox Church has changed with the times. Religion does not change with times, right? God doesn't hate gays, they're his kids too. Okay? He doesn't hate them, so no one should be condemning them. You have no right to condemn. The minute you condemn, you will be condemned yourself. This is how they're going to take over America. It means it has its By weaponizing our religion. And they've already started.
And they take the lowest hanging fruit, which is the Muslim, obviously, religion, because you can fanaticize them a lot easier because they feel deprived. And, and that's understood. I get it. Obama did it. Many people did it. And it is what it is. Now, let me show you just most of this clip. Just so you understand, this man, his, his name was Father Paul. He's Bishop Paul. I haven't seen him in over 20 years in person. Every time I would go see him in the past couple of years, you know, uh, his liver cancer treatment. So he was out. Uh, he had a stroke. His church was the only church in New York that gave vaccine exemptions. They were against it. They understood. And here's him trying years ago when he was just a priest. And this is how I remember him. He looks completely different now. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to share something kind of intimate. But when I was in New York uh, for meetings at the beginning of June, I um, called St. Mark Helen and said, hey, I'm going to be stopping by to see Father Nectarios, um, who is a priest. And hopefully I can run into the bishop. And I did go. And they had like a little feast. And I got to see him. And I remember being told on the telephone, you know, hey, you know, he might not recognize you. He's not okay. He actually did recognize me. He not only recognized me, I asked him, hey, do you recognize me? Do you recognize me? And he uttered my name and reached out and I hugged him, right? And he gave me his blessing. Let me introduce you to someone that was very important in my life as a kid. Means it has its way of rule. Now, a long, long time ago, the Orthodox Church acknowledged the hope of Rome. What happened? Nowadays, we're hearing many things about union between the Orthodox Church and the so-called Catholic Church. Now, before I continue, please don't, don't misunderstand me and take me that I'm speaking from a fanatical point of view. I'm just trying to present. Uh... And let me make a, di uh, a distinction here. In the Orthodox religion, there's the old calendar and new calendar. The old calendar church in Greece, Russia, Romania, you know, we have Christmas later, we have New Year's later, they go by the old calendar. So I want to point that out, that even in orthodoxy, because the other orthodox side decided to go with the times in regards to what all religions say that are Christian spinoffs, you know, a lot of people get offended, but it's like, no, there was one Christianity and then they created Catholicism. Then there were, you know, then they had a king write a Bible and everyone's like, oh my gosh, a monarch wrote this. It's really good, right? A monarch, right? Because it speaks to them. We have the Protestants, the, you know, the Pentecostals. We have a lot of spinoffs. Again, spinoffs. The Latter-day Saints, the, the Mormons, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's what speaks to people. I don't judge, but people should be aware that things are different. There is no judgment. What speaks to you is okay. Just like there's Shia Muslims and Sunni Muslims, right? It's what speaks to people. That's the point. It's what speaks to people. Because if you look at the timeline, there was one church of Christianity. And then 
it became another church of Christianity and another and another and another and another. So many different branches, the evangelists. It, this is, there, there's just so many and people get offended and it's like, no, nah, it's facts. You're just like the left if you're getting offended because I'm telling you the truth. But on the other hand, if that's the version that speaks to you, that brings you close to God, who's going to judge that? You can be an Orthodox Jew or a regular Jew. You could be a Sunni or a Shia Muslim. You can be a Taurus Muslim, which are the Muslims, which were before Muhammad's story was altered. Pay attention. Religion is very specific to geographical regions and to the people. I say this again. If there was no river in the Nile, the Egyptians would be worshiping a lake because there's a lake instead of a river. People always try to make sense and they understand that there is a God and they understand God in the ways they know. Who are you to judge? Who are you to judge? No one should judge. You have to meet people where they're at. I can't go into the sand dunes of the Sahara and tell people of Christ or God in the way that I see because I don't live in the Sahara. There are different things throughout culture that come to me with symbols that give me some divine notion, right? Every culture has that. Again, it's hyper specific, so don't judge. But here is where Bishop Paul explains the problem in the church. Uh, history, the church history of our church for the first time to the American public. Now, there's been a schism, there's been a split between East and West. In the year 1054, the Orthodox Church stopped acknowledging the Pope of Rome. Now, there's lots of history be behind that. And till this day, the Orthodox Church is not in communion with the Pope of Rome. Why does that happen? Why does that, that, that exist? Well, there are many reasons. First of all, orthodoxy does not compromise on theology. That means we don't change our theology according to the times. We keep our theology steadfast. Because, for what reason? Well, first of all, theology is not a style. It's not something that conforms from generation to generation to the needs of humanity. Theology is the revelation of God's glory to humanity and what the saints and what the prophets viewed and visioned they wrote down in their books whether that was the Old Testament or the New Testament or the writings of the fathers they wrote down what they experienced they wrote down what they saw that is the glory of Christ and what they saw was the Lord himself in his glory in his uncreated glory and thus we have the theology of the church now you see all the saints visioned the same God and that's why they all have a common theology. Not one saint of the church disagree with another saint of the church on matters of the glory of Christ. They all have seen and visioned the same God. That's why the saints of the church are infallible when it comes to things concerning God and, and anything about Christ and the mystery of the divine dispensation of Christ towards humanity. Now when somebody comes and preaches something different, be he Pope, or be he Patriarch, or be he Archbishop, or anything, if he teaches contrary to what the saints of the Church have preached, he is teaching contrary to the Gospel of Christ.
Now, for 1,000 years, there existed the Pope for the Orthodox Church. We had five patriarchates, the first patriarchate being the seat of authority of the Roman Empire, which was none other than Rome itself. Rome, of course, is an apostolic church, was an apostolic church. And for 1,000 years, Orthodoxy was in total agreement with what the Pope of Rome was preaching and saying, because the Pope of Rome was in total agreement with what the rest of the church was saying. He had the exact same theology that all the fathers of the church had. Now, all this existed and continued for many years until the time when Rome was captured by the Frankish nation and the Roman popes were uh, exiled from the seat of Rome and the Frankish empire took over the seat of the Patriarchate of Rome and the Frankish Pope was installed. Now, for many years, Insert Knights of Malta at that point. That's where the popes that were exiled went to. The Franks were in schism from the church, and they were teaching different theology about the Holy Trinity, which means that they did not have the same unique experience that the prophets and the apostles had, and the martyrs and the fathers of had. They were describing God, they were describing the Holy Trinity in heretical terms. So, when the Pope of Rome accepted the theology of the Franks and was seated there on behalf of the Frankish Empire and started preaching what the Franks preached, from that point on, Orthodoxy could not recognize him because he contradicted what the ancient popes had said. You see, our church is in communion with the ancient popes. Pope St. Leo, Pope St. Gregory the Great, Pope St. Sylvester, and many other great popes of the church. And you see, they have the same exact theology that orthodoxy has today. Whereas, if you just open your history books, your books of theology, and you read and study what present-day theology of the Western church is, you'll see that the present-day situation in the West, the present-day theology of the Western church, is in total and absolute contradiction with what the ancient popes were preaching and saying. Now, how did that happen? Why did that happen? Well, human beings have free will. And that's the price of creation, free will. And people can leave God, people can depart from God, and people can start speculating about God. Once you have a speculation about God, then you're going to have heresy, definitely. No question about that. So, we lost Rome to Orthodoxy. Orthodoxy was lost. Uh, Rome was lost to Orthodoxy, but still we had four other patriarchates left to the Eastern Roman Empire. And Constantinople, being the new Rome, became the central church of the Orthodox Church. And Alexandria was the second patriarchate, the patriarchate of Antioch. And last but not least, the Patriarchate of Jerusalem, which till this day is the mother church of the Orthodox Church. And on your screens right now, you're seeing various pictures of the Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem. You're seeing the tomb of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I've been there. Uh, it's pretty incredible. My uncle, who's the head of the church there, um, he's done an exquisite job in maintaining. So I was very excited to see him pose with President Trump when he went there. 
This is a guy that had one of the biggest influences in my life. He allowed me to challenge faith. He had me reading all faith. To me, how they're all common, but explained to me just how historically they weaponized religion. And this is me having conversations with this man in diapers. And I would say things that were completely out of pocket. So he would make me write scriptures over and over and over again. Hence why, if I'm ever in church and there's liturgy, I know that stuff by heart. Um, like by heart because I wrote it over and over and over again. And we're not talking modern Greek, right? We're talking ancient. We're talking Aramaic. So I want you guys to see this because I want you to understand for the Christian community, because now we're gonna move over to the Muslim community, just how they weaponize religions when they find a way to hijack it. See, they find ways to do it. Like there's a lot of people that are Bible thumpers. So they'll sit there and they'll protest anything. They think it's okay to eradicate someone that fornicates or that's gay. Block them. You're going to go to hell. And then, see, all you have to do is find the vice of a certain group of people and it's game over. Maybe you could tell, you know, the weird-ass church in Topeka, Kansas, what is it called, the West Baptist or something like that? They're insane, by the way. Um, and I saw that actually come up on the comedy show that I watched, and I was like, well, I don't blame them with your set talking about pedos. But having said that, weaponizing is the easiest way to conquer not one nation, but all nations. See, after that shift happened that he spoke about, with the Pope going with the Frankish, what did we observe? We observed the Muslims which had the original Quran. And here's the problem. Here's the good thing, but the problem with the Quran. The Quran was spoken word. Do you know where it began? In Alexandria, in an Orthodox church, St. Elizabeth's. Muhammad had said that that church is one of the most important churches ever. And that holy site. He said that. He said that. And so everything you've seen after that has been changed like no other. For example, he married the young girl. Actually, no, she was betrothed to him. That happened throughout culture, throughout time, right? Throughout time in India, Pakistan, Greece, Italy, whatever, you would have arranged marriages and they would be betrothed. But, you know, calling him a pedophile is better, right? Because this is how you create this division. But this is how they weaponize the fanatics. You know why the Turkish people are never seen as bonafide by the Saudis or other cultures? Because they're fanatic. And that's why the Ottoman Empire was the one that was charged by the Roman Empire post-1054 to infiltrate the European nations, but a controlled infiltration, of course. For those of you that have traveled to Scotland, I urge you to go into their old Roman baths and find Arabic inscriptions. Yes, that's how far up they went. And then let's remember that after they did what they needed to do, which is cause division, so we had the radical you know, Muslims throughout Europe charging as barbarians, we also had the weird Christians that were flogging themselves, if you remember the Christian Crusades, 
weaponizing religion. See, these are facts. These are facts. And then we have the Spanish Inquisition, which was like, let's eradicate and genocide all the Muslims. Muslims with an O, not with a U, like Osama, Osama. Huh. Huh. So again, it is important for people to understand how things are skewed and how they are done. Let me just continue this clip a little bit more, and then I'll show you the video I want you to see. Because in order to create division, you have to create poisonous and vitriolic discourse. And you have to activate the right groups. Which to this day is under the total custody of the Orthodox Church. And you're also witnessing right now Golgotha. That's the very spot where our Lord and Savior was crucified. And you can see an Orthodox altar exactly over the very spot where our Lord and Savior shed his blood for salvation of the world. Jerusalem is the mother church. Now we are also seeing Bethlehem. This is the church of the Holy Nativity. This is where our Lord and Savior was born. And again, an Orthodox church is above and over the site where our Lord was born. And it was built by Orthodox emperors and specifically by St. Constantine and St. Helena. Now you're viewing various monasteries in Palestine, in Israel, exactly where Orthodoxy first flourished, and you can see the antiquity of our church. Now you're seeing the monastery of St. Savas, which is one of the most ancient Orthodox monasteries in the world, built in the fifth century after Christ. So Orthodoxy is very ancient, it's very antique, but it's very new at the same time, because you see it is witnessing to the living God. And orthodoxy does not conform, it does not change. We don't believe that the church can fall away from the grace of Christ because Christ himself said to Saint Peter that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. But the gates of hell will never prevail. God is great. But then you have to think, all right, we've already started the discourse and destroyed the Orthodox Christians, which was really difficult. They went in, in order to obtain Ukraine's bending of the knee, they had to first destroy their religion. PKU came up. We destroyed their religion. We separated them from the house of church they had. And this is how it happens in small increments. If you remember Barack Hussein Obama, allow me to show you some old tweets of his. It's important that you see them. Nearly 12 million people have been displaced in the conflict in Syria. As Americans, we can't sit idly by. That's not who we are. September 28th, 2015. We've provided more than 4.5 billion in humanitarian aid to help meet the needs of those impacted by the Syrian conflict. Tweeted the same day. We are also increasing the number of Syrian and other refugees we admit to the U.S. at 100,000 per year for the next two years. Same day. But this isn't just about what I can do as president. Every single one of us, from citizens to NGOs, can help refugees find a safe haven. Next thread. We have a moral responsibility to do what we can for families forced from their homes. Find out how you can help at aidrefugees.gov. You know, I love Stacey Washington. Hey, POTUS, 82% of the refugees are young men. Fire your armed guard and settle some of them with you in the White House. We'll wait. These are old tweets 
telling you exactly what they did. We created ISIS. We created everything. We weaponized a religion like no other. Oh, but I don't agree with Sharia. Nobody gives a shit. It's not your country. Mind your business. As long as they don't affect us, we shouldn't even be concerned about what they're doing. But we saw an increase in refugees starting in 2012. And these refugees were hand-selected. I mean, Ilhan Omar is a derivative of Al-Shabaab. They had them stay somewhere. They fiddled them out. They saw their loyalty. They ensured, ensured that they would be compliant to their agenda. They brought young males. Oh, my gosh, they're trying to kill all the Muslims. Muslims are the best. Uh, pay attention. Weaponizing them and making them fanatics. And it's true. They were easier. Because now, as they have infiltrated over the past decade, now they're starting on Christianity. And I see it even in my groups, people that are Bible thumpers. So adamant and so judgy. I know best. God said, what do you know? You don't. Muslims are this. What do you know? You don't. They're his kids too. Jews aren't. What do you know? You don't. Those are his kids too. To be Christ-like means that you do not judge. To be Christ-like means that you're the words, not knowing them, simply to repeat them. See, many people have allowed atrocities to happen. Oh, the, the genocide of Armenians, yes. They eradicated the Christian Orthodox Armenians. Bad. But what about all the Muslims that were eradicated? Oh, get, let me guess, you don't care, right? Don't care? The ones that are slaughtered, you don't care? What about the Jews? Oh, you care about that because Christians tell you to care about that, or your church does. Maybe your new spinoff of uh, Seven Day Latter-day Saints 2.0, maybe Protestant 3.0. They tell you Jews are ultimate. Then why aren't they Jewish? How are they Christian if they're praying to, a Jew, to you know, following the Torah? Makes no sense. See, that's a point. What I'm about to show you will anger you. But I want you to understand that none of these people are any different than the children you saw in the previous video that have been indoctrinated. They know how to pick them and they know how to provide and they know how to do it. It's important because when I show you about the Ukrainian oligarchs after it, you'll understand. Here we go. Germany is facing a drastic number of refugees by the end of 2015, believed to be in the region of 1.5 million. It is not quite on a biblical scale, but an exodus it certainly is. Migrants who've been trapped at the railway station in Budapest now deciding to walk the hundreds of miles to Germany and what they see as the promised land. The other side of this tragedy is how it will change Europe. Non-Western migrants had already been flooding into Europe for decades. Leaders refuse to stop it. We are afraid. We are in danger every day, every minute. They come inside the police. They want to kill each other. You have to, you have to do something. Have to protect us. They are in our house. We are the victims. We are not them. We have to live like before. For life, they took it for us. We're nothing more. They are. They have to take them from here. It's a city. No place for people like them. 
ويبحثون عن اقصاب عندنا ننجب منه لاننا سوف نفتح بلاده خذوا اللاجئين سنطلبهم منكم قريبا And I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse. There's a man going round taking names, and he decides who to free and who to blame. Everybody won't be treated all the same. There'll be a golden ladder reaching down. When the man comes around. The hairs on your arm will stand up at the terror in each sip and in each sup. Will you partake of that last up or disappear into the potter's ground when the man comes around? Hear the cheer, the pipers, 100 million angels singing, multitudes are marching to the is crying some are born and some are dying it's alpha and omega's kingdom come and the whirlwind is in the thorn tree the virgins are all trimming their wicks the whirlwind is in the thorn tree it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks till Armageddon no shalom no shalom there are increasing groups of people who are essentially asking the question if the political establishment continues to get its way in five in ten in twenty years time how many Germans are going to be left in Germany how many French people are going to be left in France how many English people are going to be left in England French writer Renaud Camus calls the influx the great replacement says it's the biggest thing to happen to France since the 15th century. Quel est l'objectif? Ça va faire parler. Et l'objectif, c'est relever le défi du métissage. Ce n'est pas. C'est une obligation. Si ce volontarisme républicain ne fonctionnait pas, il faudra alors que la République passe à des méthodes plus contraignantes encore. Nous devons changer, alors nous allons changer. That the native French populace be finding itself in a rapidly decreasing minority here. London has got so ethnically diverse that white Britons are now a minority here. White families in Birmingham are set minority group for the first time. The country's most rapidly growing demographic is Muslim. With Mohammed now the most popular name for baby boys in London. The high Muslim birth rate is changing the political landscape. Imran is looking forward to replacing Belgian law with Sharia law, including amputation for theft, stoning for adultery, and death to homosexuals. Uh, if they want to push us back or something like that, I don't know, maybe they can start to marry four wives and have a lot of children.
Start with that, maybe they will have a chance, but I don't think so. Something else that Muslim immigration appears to have brought to Norway is what some here call a rape epidemic. Recent police statistics showed that in the capital of Oslo, 100% of assault rapes be strangers were committed by immigrant non-Western males, and 9 out of 10 of their victims were native Norwegian women. We're taking this gay pride march through a predominantly Muslim neighborhood here in Stockholm. Fears that it could stoke tensions between some of the local residents and the people demonstrating here. Mostly provocation. Is it provocation in population here? Fuck me, Go! Basically, the U.S. is providing these flows for us. You make war and we get refugees. So, uh... The United Nations report says Sweden will be a third world nation in about 15 years, below Libya and Bulgaria. But there is no other path to victory except through sacrifice and jihad for the sake of Allah. Swedes who disagree with that plan risk being labeled racist, fascist, even Nazi. This footage of the Revolutionary Front smashing the home of a suspected fascist is one of the many attacks they film and publish on the internet. Wir müssen uns gegen die Nazis stellen. Schon aufgrund unserer Geschichte 1933 und 1945 sind wir verpflichtet, Flüchtlinge anständig zu behandeln. Und dann gibt es ja noch was. Jedes Jahr sterben mehr Deutsche als geboren werden. Das liegt zum Glück daran, dass die Nazis sich auch nicht besonders vervielfältigen. Und schon deshalb sind wir auf Zuwanderer aus anderen Ländern angewiesen. It doesn't matter if Sweden's list failing miserably. If test scores in Swedish schools are plummeting, or if crime in some areas has skyrocketed. I hope all of them and everyone else across Britain will reflect on the universal values that Ramadan represents and the contribution that British Muslims make to our country. Das ist, glaube ich, ein wichtiges Signal an Sie, dass der Islam, so wie der Bundespräsident Wolf es äh, gesagt hat, zu uns in Deutschland inzwischen gehört. Appalling abuse of at least 1400 children over a period of 16 years. Children being raped, trafficked, beaten and sometimes doused in petrol. All the perpetrators were of Pakistani heritage. Ramadan Mubarak to you all. Ma'adam al-Zawaj, ma'adam al-Rabah fil-Injab, il-Harab bitahum al-Miyah, yarisuhu tamaneen. With tamaneen ba'da 10 sinin, yarisuhum 60.
والستين يورس كم أربعين والأربعين بعد عشر سنين عشرة بعد عشرين سنة مش حيبقى في حد Since then, an unholy alliance of leftists, capitalists and Zionist supremacists has schemed to promote immigration and miscegenation with the deliberate aim of breeding us out of existence in our own homelands. First, their immigrant pawns were temporary guest workers. Then it was a multiracial experiment. Then they were refugees. Then the answer to a shrinking population. Different excuses, different lies. But the real aim stays the same. The biggest genocide in human history. Really ashamed of the racist and xenophobic uh, terms. Is your policy serious or are you just shouting? Mr. Griffin. It's you that's shouting because obviously the truth hurts. I have a constructive suggestion to help those poor asylum seekers from Africa. Yes, make it clear they can't come here so they don't try to cross the sea and drown in huge numbers. The best way for them is to get the banks off the backs of their countries so they can live in peace in their countries and we Europeans can live in peace in ours. Thank you. دولة إسلامية واحدة موحدة لا تعرف إلا لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله While some of the residents are newly arrived from the conflict in Syria, many are not. There are Afghans here, Senegalese, Albanians, Pakistanis and Bangladeshis. Very bored here. You can just eat, sleep, use the slow internet, it's, it's so bad. Salzau ist ein 36 Seelendorf in der Abgeschiedenheit der holsteinischen Schweiz. In dem leerstehenden Herrenhaus der Gemeinde brachte das Land 320 Flüchtlinge unter. Die Räumlichkeiten sind hochherrschaftlich. Äh, aber das Problem ist, dass wir haben nicht so viel hier zu machen haben. Wir brauchen etwas zu machen. Also, also brauchen wir unsere, müssen wir unsere Zukunft wissen, was unsere Zukunft ist. Saft mit 15% Zucker beschwert sich der syrische Asylbewerber über den Inhalt der Essenspakete. Als erster Regierungsbezirk soll in Niederbayern ab Januar stattdessen Bargeld ausgezahlt werden. We go to uh, Germany because Germany very good. Voices for refugees. Heute noch auf dieser Bühne. Conchita Post. Try to help us. We are receiving bad condition. Try to help us. We are dying. We are dying. We, we beg you. We beg you because we suffer too much. I am from Ghana. I am from Ghana. So many are here. So many people are here. All Africa, Gambia, even Africa. Come, come. 
No good. Water, no good. Water. 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 Under water. This is not good. Water. I've been watching this migration and I see the people. I mean, they're mostly men and they're strong men. These are physically young, strong men. They look like primetime soldiers. Look, Europe's going to have to handle, but they're going to have riots in Germany. What's happening in Germany, I always thought Merkel was like this great leader. What she's done in Germany is insane. It's insane. They're having all sorts of attacks. They're having you mean all letting sorts in of, the refugees? Letting the in that many people. So we demand our right to stay here. We are here to stay. Your democracy is empty box. It is for you. Because you are a racist. <laughs> we are not going to fear of you. We are stronger more than yesterday. We are stronger and we defeat you. Ordinary German men and women stood here and applauding them. Extraordinary. People handing them water. Welcome to Germany. How do you feel? The psychological shock when when they will see in future what the what the beautiful society of equal justice means in practice, obviously they will revolt. A person who was demoralized is unable to assess true information. The facts tell nothing to him. Uh, even if I shower him with information, with, with authentic proof, with documents, with pictures, he will refuse to leave it, despite of the abundance of information. No one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interest of defending themselves, their families, their community and their country. Prozent der 200 Rütli-Schüler sind ausländischer Herkunft. Die Deutschen sitzen sich immer, sitzen sich immer dahin, dahin. sind immer allein und so. Und die anderen, wie gehen die mit denen um? So, die schreien auf die, wir treten die, die laufen rum. Wenn sie die sehen, geben die einfach schnell so aus Spaß. Und wehren die sich, die Deutschen? Nein. Die haben Angst. So, und wir vermehren uns immer mehr. Ihr, ihr Deutschen kriegt ja keine Kinder. Ihr kriegt höchstens, wenn es wenn hochkommt, zwei Kinder. Wir machen sieben, acht. Alhamdulillah. Okay, Kollege? Und dann nehmen wir uns auch nochmal vier Frauen, dann haben wir 22 Kinder. So macht Allah, Azzawajal, der Allmächtige Gott, macht das so, dass wir euch erobern, nicht mit Krieg hier in Deutschland, sondern mit Geburtenraten. Erstens. Und zweitens, wir heiraten eure Töchter. Ja? Und deine Tochter wird Kopftuch tragen. Und deine Tochter wird einen Bärtigen heiraten. Problem, problem here, here. <laughs> problem there. Exactly. Balls. It's very big, like this. It's big. Really. He said make make sex with anyone. 
or make anything. We are 400 people, okay? How I can bring the girl to here, okay? She go like, make 400 times sex, shit. Der Uniplatz in Magdeburg heute Morgen. Eine 19-Jährige war hier heute Morgen um kurz vor 4 Uhr überfallen und brutal misshandelt worden. Die Frau konnte leider bislang noch nicht befragt werden, ähm, da sie aufgrund ihrer Verletzungen derzeit im Krankenhaus behandelt wird. Innerhalb weniger Wochen. Anfang Oktober wurde eine 24-Jährige auf einem Friedhof in Magdeburg brutal vergewaltigt. Vor rund zwei Wochen wurden zwei 19-Jährige überfallen. Verunsicherung bei den Magdeburgern. Im Zusammenhang mit den bisherigen Überfällen fandet die Polizei nach diesen Männern. Sie sollen etwa 30 Jahre alt sein und werden von Zeugen als Personen mit süßem Aussehen beschrieben. Even if you expose them to authentic information, you still cannot change the basic perception of Javier. He will refuse to believe it until he, he is going to receive a kick in, the, in his fat bottom. In Chemnitz ist ein siebenjähriges Mädchen am Abend mit ihrem Fahrrad unterwegs. In einem Park wird sie plötzlich von einem unbekannten Mann angehalten. Direkt neben diesem Spielplatz soll der Mann dem Mädchen dann den Mund zugehalten und sie vom Rad gezerrt haben. Danach vergewaltigte er die Siebenjährige. Ihre Mutter soll ganz in der Nähe gewesen sein, bemerkte den Vorfall aber erst, als das Kind weinend zu ihr lief. Das Mädchen sprach von südländischem bzw. nordafrikanischem Typ. Europe has not yet learned how to be multicultural and I think we're going to be part of the throes of that of that transformation which must take place. Europe is not going to be the monolithic uh, uh, societies that they once were in the last century. And that's exactly and that's exactly what they want. Now look at our border, our southern border. How many times have I said they're not Mexican and Guatemalans? Hmm? They pick the radical ones. They pick the ones that believe that the world owes them. This is why we have crime. Young people believe that the world owes them, therefore they can take. It's a basic psychology 101. And this is coming in hot because they're weaponizing religion like no other. And they're coming through our southern borders. And you know, it's not just weaponizing the Muslims. Uh, The Christians have already started weaponizing themselves within the U.S. over stolen elections, over things that actually do matter, things like life, but they're radicalizing them. Can we get into some Jews being radicalized? Jews that believe anyone that's not a Jew like them deserves to die, that they are nothing, that they can be treated like commodities. Yes. They are making people see it their way. But see, the only thing is, is that where are they trained? It almost seems like it's coming through the same place, right? We have a problem with oligarchs, right? In the Ukraine, 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 huh? Ukraine. Well, let's take a look at this report. High pressure pumps wash out the sand containing titanium. Work processes haven't changed much here at the Irshansk mine, but the owners have changed. The mine was leased to oligarch Dmitry Firtash until the fall of 2014. Then the Ukrainian government cancelled the contract. It's work as usual, same as always. So far everything is peaceful. Titanium from the mine is in demand around the world. It's a high quality resource that's used for airplane engines include Airbus, Boeing, and the Russian aviation industry. 
The factory's facilities are completely outdated. There's been no new machinery since the 1990s. Little changed after Firtash took over in 2004. He also invested very little. That means the plant is in a constant state of disrepair. The younger workers especially want change now. They kept everything running but invested nothing. We'd like to modernize the production lines. We need new machines and new concepts in order to work efficiently. We need new shakers, new pipes, new everything. This is the Austrian capital Vienna and a long way away from the problems. It's home to Dmitry Firtash. For months he refused to accept that he'd lost the mine. But he says he's changed his mind now. It's no problem for me. I've got two other mines and they provide all the raw materials I need. Our sales have dropped a little. But we want to build a new titanium plant in Volnogorsk, in the Dnipropetrovsk region. Fyotash is a controversial figure. He's been indicted in the United States on corruption charges. The U.S. authorities want him extradited. A Vienna court released him on bail of 125 artists in Austrian history. Fyotash is trying to improve his image. He's financing an initiative to support economic reform in Ukraine. To be honest, Ukraine is bankrupt. We've got two options. Do something or wait. I think we need to carry out reforms that the government isn't implementing. Former German finance minister Per Steinbrück is among his supporters. As is the former French foreign minister Bernard Kouchner. Ex-European commissioner Günther Verheugen is another advisor. They all want reform for the Ukrainian economy and they're putting their contacts to use. It's unclear how much the oligarch is paying them. But it's a fact that this circle of advisors is completely independent. It isn't subject to controls and it's not under the influence of any large-scale industrialists or oligarchs who have been active in Ukraine. Nobody from the Ukrainian government attended the forum in Vienna. Despite that, the advisors hope Kiev will take notice of their reform suggestions. And they don't believe modernization will happen without the oligarchs. Independent of very specific economic issues. Those people who have grown rich in Ukraine in the past 20 years should use their wealth to play a role in reconstruction. We want them to provide money for different projects, and this is one of them. The Ukrainian government intends to privatize the Irshansk mine and has no plans to use advisors sponsored by Firtash. The new management team at the mine was put in place directly by the government. There's no way back in this issue, at least for the next five years. We have a new parliament and Firtash doesn't have enough people there to regain influence. 
But despite losing the titanium mines, Dmitry Fyutash still has 100,000 employees in Ukraine alone. It seems like a going theme that in Germany, it's working out, there we go. It's like we have a going theme in Germany to be grooming certain things and creating certain foundations for things to fester. See, it's quite important that we pay attention to the proximity. We are under attack as a nation. They will come in and divide us based on religion since that one Roe versus Wade. It is now the key target. It is important those that are strict to their faith remain to their faith and the actual dogma of no judgment, no hard positions. Don't be a spectator because spectators are going to be scarce very soon. It's important to understand what the invasion is assisting and aiding. And maybe this will help. We have one to the north. Well, a few to the north. And now look at the south. A Chinese spy station in Cuba is now setting off alarm bells. Less than 100 miles off the coast of the United States, this base is being developed into a military training facility. And the Chinese are not only shoring up the military on the island, they're also propping up the Cuban economy. Dale Hurd reports. This is the Chinese intelligence facility at Beihukal, Cuba, just 90 miles from the U.S. mainland. It allows China to monitor U.S. military communications throughout the southern United States. When its existence was first Everyone reported last month, the Pentagon denied it. We are not aware of China and Cuba, the uh, type of spy station. Later, National Security Council spokesman John Kirby evaded, but admitted the base exists. We're, uh, we're not going to be able to get into too much detail about our own counterintelligence uh, efforts. And we now know that the spy station isn't new. A former intelligence official told the Miami Herald it's been there since the 1990s, and the U.S. government has known about it. Now there are reports the Chinese plan to expand the spy base into a military training facility. What form it will take is unclear. But consider this base China built on Mischief Reef in the South China Sea. It includes a landing strip, hangars, and a listening post. Cuba is a much easier place to install a military base. But Dr. Evan Ellis, the Latin American specialist at the U.S. Army War College Strategic Studies Institute, says the site at Behukal is too close to the United States to be useful in any armed conflict because it would be easy to destroy. The closeness of Cuba to the United States means that its value for uh, PLA Navy forces is, is probably pretty low because, again, that would be very, very vulnerable being that close to the United States. But this is about more than just a military base. China is helping keep a desperate Cuban government afloat. With Cuba facing its biggest economic and political crisis in decades, China has thrown it a lifeline, giving it millions in cash and restructuring its debt. Cuba is short fuel, it's short medicine, it's short food. Cuba has been facing an economic crisis, but um, in the past uh, two to three years, especially uh, since COVID, that crisis has deepened to unprecedented proportions. Um, and uh, China, who's willing to say, um, we'll bankroll you as long as we get paid. This is the playbook China has used throughout Latin America to replace the U.S. as the leading trading partner in the region and make nations dependent upon it. Retired Air Force Brigadier General John Teichert says the U.S. is too disengaged in Latin America, including Cuba. 
This is a neighbor of ours uh, 90 miles or so to the south of Key West. And I think we need to start engaging in a real way economically and diplomatically with them. And I think that would take away some of that enticement that China can swoop in and fill the vacuum that we should have filled long ago. So let's stop talking about that. China did exactly what they needed. And I have to disagree with the war college professor. Yes, their Navy will have no chance. But they have technology to deploy EMPs from proximity like nobody's business. Chinese balloons, anyone? Per se. Thank God for Space Force. Thank God that President Trump lined our, bar our border with hundreds and hundreds of miles of wall. The only way to take us out is to keep us divided, infiltrate us to make us collapse. Coming really, really stupid. They are looking for, looking for war. They just blew up the Crimean Bridge. Why? That's Russia. Why would you do that? That's Russia. Why would you do that? Because they want war. And many times I say I'm the most impatient, impatient person. I have to say that Russia is extremely patient right now. And we should be grateful for that. On that note, I'll let you go. But before that, here's the video that I played on Rumble so that you can watch Islamianism. Again, it's not Islam, it's Islamianism, right? Wait till you see what they're doing to the Jews. The Christians, it's apparent. You see it every day on Twitter, Facebook, Telegram, Instagram. The hate and division amongst righteous Christian organizations shame people, people for their life's not Christ-like. I'm super judgy. That's up stones, which shouldn't. On note, I hope all of you have enjoyed the docu-expose that was only part one. There's more. It's on locals, and it's been removed, obviously. And for those of you complaining, it's too fast, this is not. Huh. I want to be able to reach out to a lot of people, and I'm not going for the comfort of the few. Disallow forms that I'm not allowed to. So I still have 400 followers, so that, I w that way I can request YouTube. So follow me on YouTube if you haven't, please. I just want to get a plaque at the 100,000 follower mark. I can request one. That way I could say, even through the times of censorship, I made it. On that note, everyone, God bless. And September, congratulations. I'm surrounded 20